Word for You is presented by Grace Point Church in Lakewood, Ohio. We are located at the intersection of Warren and Alger and welcome you to visit us in person or online at gracepointlakewood.com. That's G-R-A-C-E-P-O-I-N-T-E-L-A-K-E-W-O-O-D dot com. Listen to podcasts of sermons from our pastor, Mike Bartolone, and various guest pastors. You will see that grace is always the point, and you are always welcome. I like to talk today about I was you know praying about my December you know series on as as we were getting close to Christmas and I listened to a song by Mercy Me and I was really touched by it uh, one of their songs is called The Best News Ever and if you ever listen to it it's it's incredible because it refutes the the thought that we're trying to be good and trying to earn our to get better and all that stuff and it refutes all that and said it's already won it's already done and it's the best news ever I'd sing it for you but you wouldn't be you wouldn't be happy so (laughs) but whether we acknowledge it or not we are living in a secular age you know we're in this world but we're not of it but we're here amen and everything sacred has been pushed out of our lives by design by this secular world of ideas. That's why he says, be not conformed to this world. You know, Amen? But in order to keep the sacred sacred in the center of our lives, we must be at this time quite heroic. You have to be heroic today to keep Jesus first in your life because of all the other voices that are just trying to consume you in things that are, we're like, in, there's so much information, it just constantly is bombarding us. So actually to be a Christ-centered person in what I would call this irreligious world, we need to be the courageous act of swimming upstream like the salmon, you know, in a downward world. The world's going down, and God wants us to keep moving up higher and higher. And for me to be truly happy in this world, I need something that draws upon the deep wells of the ancient wisdom and practice. And that's exactly what we find in the Christian faith that we live in because of Pentecost. I mean, Pentecost was about going deeper, understanding more, getting more. And it's true that we have a secular calendar. How many know we live by a secular calendar that literally marks time for us in this world? But because of the Bible, we too have a sacred calendar in our Bibles, which is the way of marking time through the course of the year by telling the good news, the gospel story of Jesus Christ over and over again. And yes, a couple of holy days from the sacred calendar are firmly entrenched in the secular calendar, and they're called Christmas and Easter. Yet there is a notable difference the way the sacred and the secular approach these days in our world. And if you notice when you drive around, you can see how the secular has got into the sacred. You don't see many houses today or many places that have a stable or that's, you know, has a sign, Happy Birthday, Jesus. You know, you, hear, you see all kind of other secular things that have got included in Christmas. 
But the Christian calendar Christmas is anticipated by what many call the time of Advent, four weeks. And uh, during the Advent, we await the arrival of the Messiah of whom the Hebrew prophets spoke of. We wait for the one who will bruise the serpent's head. Amen? We wait for Emmanuel, the one who is God with us. And we wait for the ruler to arise in Bethlehem, the house of bread, who is the shepherd of God's people. You know, there's a lot of people besides us who just don't have it yet. We're not the only ones that, you know, there's just a few of us here that have it. But just think how many people out there haven't even met the shepherd yet, haven't even met the Messiah yet. So they're still waiting. They're still not getting it, you know what I mean? And we wait for what I would call the Prince of Peace. Amen? In whose kingdom the lion lays down with the lamb. Luke 1.79. And if this is the whole dissertation of Zechariah's prophecy concerning Jesus and what was happening with John the Baptist. And in verse 79, Luke 1.79, it says, And to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, it's, he is the Prince of Peace. Acts, I mean, Isaiah 9-2 says he is the Prince of Peace. He's a wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace. If there's anything I want to emphasize today, I want to talk about peace. Because we're in a wor- we live in a world of turmoil. You know, a, a, a world of uncertainties. There's, you don't know what's going to happen next with the economy and the food. You know, we had high gas prices going up. You know, I know if you were in California, your, your gas prices were almost $8 a gallon. Thank God they never reached this far yet, you know. But they're they're paying some. Some of them are paying seven seventy five a gallon of gas in some places in California. And now I don't know if you've noticed it. I mean, I don't grocery shop, but I'm around produce, and I know that I know that lettuce used to be twenty dollars a case for twenty four heads. Now it's a hundred and five dollars a case. If you don't see lettuce in a supermarkets or drug stores or or or, or romaine hearts, the reason that you don't see it. It's because they can't afford it. Even the consumer that wants to sell it to you can't afford it. To give it on the shelf. I mean, are you willing to pay $10 for a head of lettuce? Because that's where we're headed. As right now, if, they, if the only reason that they're trying to keep it lower, the price, is they're putting the prices higher on your apples and your oranges so they can keep your lettuce low. But in reality, that head of lettuce is costing them who buy it in the stores $4.75 a head. Yes, yes. And if they were to really sell it to you, it should be at $6 a head right now. That's what's going on, and it's not coming down. There's, no, there's nothing in, the, in, in sight. And if the, if the railroad strike that you all heard about on TV, if the government did not intervene, most of our grocery stores would not have food on the shelves. So <laughs> we live in a very crazy world, very crazy times. And we need Jesus and we need his peace more than anything right now. You know? And Advent is about waiting. Let's go to Isaiah, verse 31, Isaiah 40. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 
See, Advent is about waiting, a practice that most of us in our secular age struggle with. But in a holy practice, we would be wise to learn and treasure. See, during Advent, which is this upcoming, we're, we're headed towards really the birth of Christ. And during this time, we, we have to practice, you know, in our most, in our, in our, and have this, and learn about the treasure of what's coming. I mean, we should be excited. Most Christians aren't excited even about Christmas anymore because of the high prices. You can't, some people can't even afford to buy gifts anymore because they can't even put, afford to put food on the table. I mean, if you were paying $6 a week, I mean, $6 a head every week for a, a head of lettuce, you know, it's, it's, everything will be going up, not just all the, all the, all the produce is going to want to compete. They're going to want, if they, can, if, they, if they can make lettuce be 6 or 7 or $8 a head, then they're going to want to make apples and oranges be more than $1.89 a pound. Might be, see them at 5 or $6 a pound. So I'm just telling you what's going on. So you just got to listen to what's going on. But during the Advent, we also visit the New Testament stories like Zechariah and Gabriel in the temple, the meeting of Mary and Elizabeth, and the Annunciation of the Magnificat and the birth of John the Baptist. All these prophecies and all these stories set the stage for Christmas to arrive with full force. And when Christmas does arrive, it's not a one-day celebration. The birth of the Messiah, no, it's a lifetime celebration of Jesus for all of eternity. And when we arrive at Epiphany where we celebrate and contemplate the revelation of Christ to the Gentiles as the Magi come with their gifts to pay homage to the child born of the King of the Jews, so you see in this series the best news ever. We journey out of the secular insanity and into the sacred mystery of the Incarnation. Let's go to Romans chapter 15. Verse 13. Now may the God of hope fill you all with joy, with all joy. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I tell my wife all of this all the time, and I'll tell you, if if produce or this stuff goes up and everything goes up, I just want you to know God is still Jehovah Jireh. He's still going to provide for us. He's still going to take care of us. He'll find a way or will find a way to be creative in how we eat or what we do. And maybe it'll wake some of us up to be even eating healthier than always eating, you know, junk. You know, so I mean, I could tell you stuff that make you mad, but I ain't going to tell you. But the, the richest advent is to move slowly on your journey to the, to the birth, the promised Messiah for all time. And then let the anticipation build when you reach Christmas. Don't take down the tree on December 26th and pack it away and pack away all the decorations because the reality, the party has just begun. Christmas is the beginning of the party. And you can then join me and the angels, the shepherds, the wise men, and Simeon and Anna, and all the rest of the un, and, and unbounded joy that comes with the birth of Christ and celebrate. Amen? 
This is crazy. My wife, she, she, don't, she doesn't want to read my sermon before I put it out. But the other night, my granddaughter Anna and family were over the house. And my wife Marie was playing Candyland. I was sitting, minding my own business, being a nice papa, getting all my grandson's wishes they have for Christmas so we could, you know, buy them some Christmas gifts. But my wife Marie was playing, and my wife called to me. She says, honey, I need to go to the restroom. <laughs> she says, come over here. I want you to play with Anna and Grant Candyland. I didn't want to go. I really didn't. I'll be honest with you. I didn't want to go. So I went and sat down with the children and started to play the newer version of How many does it see the newer version of Candyland? There is a new version out. And I was trying to humor my two grandchildren, wanting them to win and not me. Because I didn't want them to cry. Because if you know anything about grandkids, when they lose, they're not happy. And I did a great job, and they both won a game each. But as I was playing... They had these ladders. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Candyland has these ladders. You, you know, you, you'll roll the dice and you'll go one, two, three, and then there'll be a ladder to take you up, you know, all the way up over here. Yeah, shoots and ladders. Shoots <laughs> take you down, though, right? We don't want to go down. We want to go up. <laughs> that would take you to new heights and advance you to win quickly without having to travel the whole board. I mean, you should have saw my grandchildren. When they got to that ladder and they went up three levels and I was still down at the bottom and I went to the chute and went down all the way to the number one, they thought it was the best thing in the world. And I was happy for them, honestly. I was happy that they were winning and I was losing because that, that was my whole motivation for, with them, to be playing with them. But a few days later, as I was thinking about the game, the Holy Spirit said, you could ask those today that you are speaking to in an un upcoming teaching if they desire to go up to a new level in knowing me and invite them to do so. So I'm asking you today, do you desire to rise up to a new level in God, in your walk with Christ, in the Holy Spirit? I know that I do. I do. I want to go up. I want to get more. I want more of the Holy Ghost. Amen? Okay, nonetheless, I would at this time like to talk to you a little bit about salvation awakened in us. See, salvation in my mind is the awakening manifestation of God's original and ultimate thought that birthed the Spirit who inhabits our physical costume, who our physical being, who we are. And it's us all realizing that God saw what God saw when he dreamed us into being. I mean, it was all about relationship, like I said last week. It's all about relational theology. I mean, I'm not against systematic theology. You have to study systematic theology if you want to be a pastor or if you want to be a leader in some sense of the word. And I went through a lot of systematic theology before I started to realize it's not even about systematic theology. It's about relational theology because God is the God of relationship. He's not the God of religion. He's not the God of earning more. It's all about him just blessing us with everything he's got and us just understanding it. See, it's, and it's us to each of us to knowing ourselves even as we're fully known by him. It's agreeing to the magnificent blind date as God slowly by sh but surely introduces us to our authentic true selves, who we are in Christ. And as he sees us, 
in that understanding, in that new identity as his sons and daughters, holy, righteous, pure, perfect. Salvation is the gift of the new covenant in Christ alone. Jesus is our great high priest, the sacrifice, the holy one seated on the throne of God. And his once and for all offering did more than we could ever imagine. See, if the blood of a goat could take away the sin of a nation for a whole year under the law, what do you think the blood of the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world did? It did more than we could ever understand. I don't know about you, but our Bibles have been under scrutiny for the past 2,000 years by the intellectual Ivy Leaguers and the backwood snake handlers alike. While one may be measurably smarter than the other, and the only reason they're smarter is because they spent a lot more money to get what they got. Amen? But when it comes down to it, neither can, neither can prove for certain the complete validity of the spiritual world that the Bible claims we have access to. I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, when the disciples would go to sleep, Jesus would go to the mountain and pray. He would spend nights in the mountains and pray. I believe Jesus knew how to pray to the point that he knew how to ascend into heaven. Remember when they were on the, on the, in the boat and going over the, over the boat and the storm came and they started crying out? They, they, Jesus wasn't with them. He came walking on the water because I think he descended from heaven to earth and just kept walking along the water to the, where they were because they were crying out for help. So neither the backwoods preacher nor the Ph.D. professor can erase the need for God, for grace, for love, for faith. I know one thing, that if I go run a race, I mean, if I'm running, running along by myself, it's a race. But if I'm running and I allow God to be a part of my life, it's grace. It's grace working in us. Amen? And when it comes to the Bible, everyone has their own opinion. Thus, the reason there are many factions in every denomination in the world. We can't even get Lutherans to agree. They've got about 15 different factions just in the Lutheran church, in the Episcopal church today, in the Methodist church. There are all kind of different things going on. I mean, I don't even have the statistics, but they're crazy of the, of the amount of denominations there are. And now, when, they couldn't, when there was no more room for the denominations, they came up with a new word called non-denominational churches. I didn't even know there could be such a thing as a non. To me, if you're a non, you're a nothing. Because non means nothing. It doesn't exist. Right? I mean, you put non before a word, you've got something going on that's not good. But we got people who, you know, they just can't wait to tell you we're non-denominational. I said, how could you be non-denominational? Did you, did you invent your own dictionary when you made the word? Because it doesn't make sense. 
But these numbers are staggering. The Bible doesn't confine and conceal God. It reveals and unveils Him so that we can know Him better, so that we can understand Him, and we can understand ourselves better, our true selves. See, Jesus consistently helps us understand that there is a high watermark for life and spirituality. And many have sensed that Jesus' words, a lot of people think Jesus' words is like a lid. You put it on the, on the thing, close, put the lid on and close the box. But I see Jesus' words more like a launching pad into the adventure of life and eternity. Because when I study the life of Jesus, i got a lot to do yet. i got a lot to learn. Because Jesus, it says even in John chapter 3, verse 13, it says that Jesus was in two dimensions at one time. On earth, but always in heaven. Doesn't the Bible say that we've been made to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? But sometimes in our... And, I, and I'm here to tell you some things. I mean, I don't believe that, you know, as Christians, as believers, we really have to be busy about fighting demons. Because according to 1 John 3, verse 8, the, the B part of that verse, it says, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. What we need to be about is learning more about what Jesus did. What did he do when he was here? You know, because when I meet Jesus, I meet me. He was a son of God. We are sons of God, all of us. It says that in the book of Galatians, that we're all sons of God, male and female. Amen? And so when Jesus resurrected from the dead and appeared in another form to Mary, let's go to Mark 16, he appeared in another form say another form mark 16:9 says now when he arose early on the first day of the week he appeared first to mary magdalene not mary the mother of jesus mary magdalene it says out of whom he had cast seven demons she wept and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, look at the next one, two, three, four words. What happened? They did not believe. They thought she was crazy, nuts. Amen? And then verse 12. After that he appeared... In another form, to two of them, as they walk and went into the country. This is the Emmaus Road in Luke 24. If you want to look it up and read it later. <clears throat> and they went and told it to the rest. But they did not believe them either. <laughs> Jesus is resurrected from the dead, appears in a couple of different forms to different people at two random times. And these two folks went to the disciples and brought the news that Jesus Christ was risen from the dead. And obviously these, these disciples, they did not believe. Why would they not believe? Jesus said he would, if you destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. And why would Jesus appear to these people before the inner circle? The Peter, the big shots. You know, besides that, the person each was describing was different than the other. 
They, well, the way they described him, because he appeared in another form. When Mary went to the tomb first, she thought Jesus was the gardener. That's what the Bible says. And the disciples dismissed the message and the messengers, and it's in this environment that Jesus shows up and rebukes them all for not believing what they just had heard. Let's go to Mark 16 again. Verse 14, it says, And later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart. I'm going somewhere good. Just hang on. Because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, after all of that in verse 15, Go! 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 Into all the world. And preach the gospel to every creature. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. And they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Go. Now, that seems simple to me. Simple enough. Amen? They had a divine litmus test to determine who was in and who was out. Believe the gospel, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Believe the gospel and you're in. Reject the gospel and you're out. Easy enough, wouldn't you think? Accept what exactly is the core message both times. By the letter, they now fit the qualification for condemnation. It's as if Jesus set them up to disbelieve in order to make the point of contrast between the letter and what he spoke and the higher law of love which he appealed to. Jesus took these disciples who qualified for condemnation by the letter and made them his ministry team. Because he says, go. Even after they didn't believe. Before they even belonged or believed, he said, go. Go into all the world. Tell everybody about the gospel. Tell everybody about the good news. And he empowered this unbelieving ministry team to change the world. He refused to let their unbelief disqualify them from belonging to him. For it's not their acceptance of him that held the power in the equation, but rather his acceptance of them, even in their unbelief. And even today we use this litmus test to determine who is in our club and who is out of our club. Rather than confine yourself to the lid of the letter, let the letter be the launching pad to the adventure of a lifetime. An eternity of God's limitless love being revealed even towards those who you have condemned and rejected. From Jesus' point of view, the disciples, like many today, belonged even when they didn't believe. Let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. 
In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And I'm not reading a Jehovah Bible, okay? Because if I was reading a Jehovah Witness Bible, it would say, and the Word was a God. They put one little letter in there and destroy the meaning. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the Word of God is living. You can't make it die. You could be stupid, unbelief, ignorant. It's still living. It's still alive, and it's still powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Let's go to Colossians 2, verse 8. Beware, he said, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, through the secular age, and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the base principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him. Just memorize that one scripture, that one phrase. Say, I am complete in Christ. I lack nothing. And even in my unbelief, I'm on his ministry team. <laughs> he, he's telling me to go into all the world and preach the good news. Even in my unbelief, even when I don't know what I'm doing. Who is the head of all principality and power? See, the Word of God is Jesus Christ. It's important to remember that when these letters and Gospels were written, there was no New Testament. The letters were pointing to other writings or scriptures when they spoke of the Word, but to Christ Himself. He is understood primarily through the experience in the Holy Spirit, whereas the written Word is often understood through our cognitive interpretation, which is our intellect. Having said that, the Word Christ is also revealed to us through the written Word, which points to Him. In Him. You are complete in Him, for in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen? Too, too often, however, we mistake our own limited interpretation as the Word according to the tradition of men, according to the principles of the world, and so take His name in vain. But we must rely on the Holy Spirit to quicken our understanding of the written word or it will become the letter that kills. There's a lot of people use this thing to kill. I can give you books in my library that people use this book to kill and have reason to kill. What we believe matters. 
But what God believes matters much more. See, our belief doesn't persuade God, but our agreement with what He believes manifests the truth that we were once blind to. Our belief doesn't persuade God. He's already persuaded. But our agreement with what He believes manifests the truth we were once blind to. See, the truth is that you are loved. Right now, where you are, as you are, without condition. I just proved that to you right there in the Bible when those guys did not believe. He rebuked them, and in the next sentence he says, Go into all the world, you're on my team. He took them just like they were. Amen? See, your Father in Heaven's heart towards you exists united across all time and space. The greatest thing that ever happened in the history of life itself was the cross. And the secular world will never let you know that. You've got to get it from the sacred world. And your Father is so, so very good that nothing can separate you from his love. Romans 8, verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's us. It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God. Who also makes intercession for us. Hey, when you can't pray, it's okay. If you're going to beat yourself up because you can't go to the prayer meeting. Or you can't go here. Or you can't pray enough. Get over it. Jesus is always making intercession for us, for you, always. You can't stop his love. You can't stop the blessings he wants to pour on you. You cannot stop his favor. That's why you have to start thinking big, living big, and living large. Because he is a big, big God. Big God. Amen? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written for your sake. We are killed all day long, and we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. 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 His love is, oh, is so incredible. And there'll be days when you don't believe. There'll be days when, you know, you're just not doing well. But guess what? It doesn't stop His love for you. Ever. 
He's never going to be judging your behavior. Never. He's on you. He loves you. How many of us know that we're from two different kingdoms? There's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, right? We are the children of the light. And when we hear what the world is doing and saying, we're not to fear. You know why? Because his word, the truth, which brings us freedom, says, My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I think that covers everything. Amen? So we're not to fear, but remember what the word of God says, because that is our freedom, that is our truth, that is our life. Amen? It's Jesus. You know, his kingdom, which is so wonderful, will have no end. That's, that's powerful. His kingdom will have no end. This, this world may have an end, but his kingdom will not. And he is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He will take care of us. Amen? But I wanted to share this. In Revelation, let me read just the script, two scriptures. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice to which I had heard was like a trumpet speaking with me. That trumpet I have in my uh, Bible as I studied one time, it says the voice like a trumpet represents a prophetic voice releasing revelation. So was a door was opened. The door is open now. He wants to t he wants to speak to us on things we don't know of yet. He wants us to hear what he is planning to do. It says and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here. I'm telling you, we need to walk through that door. That's a portal open right now. He wants to reveal to his beloved his secrets, his plans. He's calling us as an invitation to come up higher. We can go higher and higher and higher. We don't have to stay right where we're at. He wants to tell us his plans and what's happening. Yes, I know it's, it's, um, it's confusing in the world, but I'm telling you, remember, we're not of this world. We're from his kingdom. We are citizens of a different kingdom. Beloved, always remember that. It's a call of love to come up higher. And we have to open, go op open up, and we have to say yes to that invitation of entering into those higher places. There is a door open now, and probably always. We just don't know it unless we hear by the Spirit what the Spirit is saying. We have to walk in the spirit and not of the flesh and not of what the world is saying 
we have to hear, have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying right now. He wants to unveil, which means the word revelation. He wants to reveal the things that are to come. And we, he wants us to participate in his plans. Amen? It's time to open our ears. Come up, come up at the invitation to come to the invitation to come up higher and let him show us the things that we know not of. I'm telling you, beloved, he wants to tell us what the plans are. He wants us to partake with him in what he is doing. And I, I'm going to go off the limb here, and I'm going to get some, some probably, uh, I don't know the right word, but what I'm about to say is kind of questionable, okay? You know, I fight over the um, understanding of of the rapture, okay? I go here, I go there, I go here, I go there, back and forth, back and forth. But I got a revelation this week from Joseph Prince. And he says, you know, he he sounded like he was where I was, going back and forth of what is the truth, Lord? I want truth. I just want truth. And what he said opened my spirit i i actually had an awe moment when he said it i believe what's coming is christ we know christ is coming again we don't have all the understanding of everything but we know he is coming again amen but he says don't don't fret over the rapture of this is right this is wrong this is wrong this is right he said just know when he comes that's the time we're going to get our new bodies. And I thought, wow, okay, I'll just live with that. We will get our new transformed bodies. If that's how you want to understand rapture, that's how I'm taking it. Amen. He is coming again. And we are going to be in a new place with new bodies. And I think that is such a tremendous revelation of truth that the spirit is starting to speak to the church I'm telling you beloved we are it's such an oxymoron we're in a war but guess what we already won because he won right the war is it's finished the work is done amen but he wants us to participate in what he's doing I know there's a big thing about don't talk about politics. Don't talk. I want to. I want to declare the good news. That's that's what I'm called to. Yes, there's a war out, but I'm going to tell you, you got to keep your ears open for what he is saying and what he is doing. He, I mean, to the place of, if you're driving your car, he'll say, "Don't go that way. Turn right. Don't go left." You. That's how our ears have to be so attuned right now. Because the church is here for a reason, beloved. And that's, that's, that's our purpose. If you're looking for your purpose, <laughs> that's your purpose. We are to, to be, we are to occupy 
we are to be very, very in tune to the Spirit of God. When he tells you to go here or go there, you need to be hearing because he's always talking. I pray today for our church right here that our ears will be open to the Spirit of the living God and that you would hear him so clearly that you will know and not miss what he is saying. So, Lord, I just ask you, Lord, to touch our ears this morning, that we would have ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to the church. It is a glorious time. And, Father, we know that you are, you are the, the captain, the chief of this army, and that, Lord God, you have invited us to come up higher And, Lord, we take that invitation. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, and it's way above. And, Lord, you have opened portholes of new revelation. And, Lord, I want to know what you are doing. I want to be part. We want to be part of what you are doing. And, Father, we just say that we say yes to that invitation. The door, Jesus, you are the door. But, Lord, there's so much of you that we need to know more of in this day. And that's what we say today is we say yes to your invitation to come up higher, Lord, into your realms of revelation. Lord, Father, that we would know, we would have expectation, Lord, of your coming again. And, Lord, that you would give us such a love that is so poured out for the lost, even the ones who make us mad, who think we're stupid, who think we're... Lord, give us a love like never before. It's only your love that we can win this war. Love is the greatest above all things, Father, and it only comes through you because God is love. You live in us, so we have all that we have of all the love we need right here within us. So, Lord, we say yes to your invitation to come, Father, through that portal of new revelation. And, Lord, that you would tell us everything we need to know of. Lord, it's by faith, Lord, we walk through this portal, through this door, in Jesus' name, seated in heavenly places with you. Amen.